Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control with Austin Price and Rob Lewis and Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. A reminder, Blue Water Climate Control has got that great deal going on right now. Great opportunity. They're giving away those 23 furnaces or air handlers with complete system installs. So now's the time to get a new heating and air unit. Customers have saved as much as $1,000 before. To get this offer, all you need to do is call 865-299-2290 or go to Blue Water Climate Control to book online. They'll come out, they'll give you a quote on your new American Standard Heating and Air System. They're only giving away 20 of those and only during the month of February. So it's this is the last week. It's running out quickly. So you better check in and log online or give them a call uh, to check in on this opportunity. Again, that's a free furnace or air handler that Blue Water Climate Control is giving away through the month of February. So give them a buzz and check them out. All right, guys, let's dive into a few things here. And uh, we'll start first, uh, Austin, with... Um, and, and Rob as well, just the, your thoughts on, um, the, you know, the Tim Banks hire, kind of where they are on the defensive staff right now and that one available spot left. Austin, I'll start with you. Where do you think that thing's at right now? Well, I don't know, you know what, what they're going to go for that final route. I mean, I, you know, we know that, you know, there's a certain coach in an ACC school that's followed a few of us on Twitter and, you know, we'll see where that goes. But, you know, Brent, when you, when you look at Tim Banks, I don't know how he's going to do as a defensive coordinator um, because, you know, one calling, you know, in this league is different than calling in other leagues. Calling with a fast-paced, high-up tempo offense is different than calling in a, in a, in a Big Ten that plays a little more slower pace. But his, you know, talk on the nation Sunday night, I, I thought he presented extremely well. I can see him being a really good recruiter. I can see him, see him being a really good football coach. And, uh, you know, if, if he's able to, to you know, kind of have that feel for being able to call the defense, then I think Tennessee may have uh, done well for themselves. But I don't think we'll know about that last part until uh, we get into live game action come nine months from now. You know, it's interesting, Rob, when, when you look at this thing on the offensive side of the ball, you know they got continuity because they, they've all worked together. Um, you know, but, but they've done it at Central Florida. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, they, they know each other, but they haven't worked together. But there's vast more experience on, on the defensive side of the ball when you look at what's being assembled. Uh, when you talk about linebacker coach, D-line coach, secondary coach of William Martinez and Tim's Banks. It's, a, it's kind of a, a two different fields. Maybe there's more confidence on offense because they've done it together. But the resumes on the defensive side of the ball are probably more impressive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I like the power five play, flavor on the defensive side of the ball, you know, quite a bit. Um, um, Banks coming from Penn State. I mean, he's he knows what it's like trying to build a roster to compete with Ohio State. I mean, that's what it's going to be like in, in the SEC, trying, you know, trying to build that roster. Um, help me out with the linebacker's name, the hyphen, AP. Brian Jean Mary. I like, you know, Michigan has, was at Texas with Charlie Strong. He's obviously been around, um, you know, programs that, that recruit at elite levels. And then you've got, you know, two guys and Rodney Garner and Willie Martinez have all kinds of experience in the SEC when you're talking about knowing this league, knowing what it's like to fight for prospects and, and how important talent is. And I'm not knocking the offensive staff just because, you know, they're not a bunch of power five guys, but I think the continuity is a positive. And I think it's, you know, the, the numbers they put up in Orlando speak for, speak for themselves. I, I think it's actually meshed well, Brent, because when you look at, you know, kind of what Rob just went through, 
you know, the offensive side of the ball probably has more talent than the defensive side. So I don't think you have to have a, as experienced of a coaching staff on the offensive side. There is continuity there. And it does wonders when you take a coach and you just put a G on their chest or a, an A on their chest or a power T on their chest. So like just cause these guys came from central Florida, I think they get instant credibility when they put on a, a Tennessee shirt and, and they walk into a school whenever they eventually get to walk into a school. But the point is, is like, I think that the credibility, you know, comes from the brand more so than it does anything else, um, you know, at least early on. And then they can kind of build themselves into really good, you know, recruiters or coaches um, when they get at this level. So, you know, just because they've not been here to this point, I think that's, I want to say a touch overblown, um, you know, I mean, God, there's been plenty of people that walked in here like a Trooper Taylor, you know, who, you know, people didn't really know before he got here and then left here as a guy that Tennessee fans still, you know, have very fond memories of. Um, so, you know, I think the defensive staff, Rob's right, has a ton of experience um, at the power five level. And, and I think they'll need all that experience because it's the thinner of the two sides of the ball. Yeah. They've got their hands full. There, there's no question about that. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I wasn't knocking what, what – I mean, I think we all expected it to have a big Central Florida fate, no flair doubt. to it on offense. De- defensively, I do like what they've put together because it's got some understanding of the defense and some experience. And, and I, Rob, it feels like Josh Heupel's going to let those guys – I mean, Tim Banks going to be the a head coach of the defense because he's such an offensive guy who's going to call plays. I mean <laughs> – Unlike the previous guy, I don't think Josh Heupel is going to walk around going, well, I mean, I'll call plays on both sides of the ball if I want to. I mean, I, I don't – I just don't think that's going to be – I don't think – I don't think – so, I, I think to in order to 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 kind of do that with the defense, you had to go with a, with a group of experienced guys and not a bunch of people learning on the job is the point I'm getting at. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I – you know, I, I think what would be interesting to me is how they kind of mesh together. I mean, do they – I guess, you know, do they game plan or try to come up with steps to where because Heupel is going to want to play so fast, I mean, is, you know, is Banks every once in a while going to say, hey, you know, Coach, we need to stick a run or two in there this series, or, you know, maybe maybe huddle up for a guy. You know, my guys are gassed. So that how they, you know, how they balance that, I think, is going to be an interesting part of their relationship, their coaching relationship. Let's do the Hubs instant rewind a la Ace Ventura. <laughs> Boom, boom, and that boom, boom was Hubs running over Jeremy Pruitt. No, I'm just, um, saying, I'm just saying he. he we said all really said it. I mean, it, that's not, that's not. I'm not making fun of him. I was using that as the previous guy who was a defensive-minded head coach and the and the head coach of the defense also said he could be the head coach of the offense. I mean, we're not saying that Jeremy Pruitt didn't walk in and have three three plays that you know he and his daddy ran in high school on the offensive side of the ball and said these worked. 1997. I still think they can work now. Now who's backing the, bu- the back in the bus up now? There, big Austin Price. All right, let's let's move on. <laughs> I said we're not saying that. We're not saying that happened. <laughs> All right, let's move. Let's move on to, to this. I mean, you got spring practice going to start what three weeks, something like that. Huh, they've not released it. I think you know Tennessee was supposed to play their spring game the 17th. I think that maby that's still an option, but I think there's at least a little bit of talk of making it all the way back to the 24th. Okay, which would give which which would give this team more time to get ready, and would honestly make a lot of sense. There's it's not like there's going to be like this rush to get out there on the road for spring recruiting because there is no spring recruiting. 
So why well, not back spring practice up a week? The other thing too is you have no spring break, right, Rob? So, no so at that point, there's there's no break, there's no week off in the middle of spring practice or anything like that. So you can do 15 straight day or 15 days over five weeks or whatever and go go to the house. So my, my question to you is this, because everybody wants to ask, you know, ask these questions, who looks good? What are you hearing on that? <laughs> this, that, and the other, which I get, I mean, I understand that, but my question to you is what, what do you think, what do you want to hear coming out of the Tennessee camp the next three or four weeks before spring ball starts? Or, or does it even matter? Maybe that's the better question. Does it even doesn't, matter? Doesn't it doesn't matter because they're going to be putting in a whole new install offensively, defensively. I think what you want to hear is that the, the team chemistry continues to be good because it was, uh, for the lack of a better word, shit the last year. And, 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 the, and the staff chemistry was double that. So, you know, I, I'm going to give you my spiel real quick here as we, you know, as we sit here on the, you know, at the end of February, looking at this schedule, you know, Tennessee, in theory, last year went three and five in the games they were supposed to play, take away A&M and Auburn. What, and that's in league play. You know, I'm going to, you know, if they play their best ball, I think they should win all four non-conference games. Pittsburgh's no lay down, but if, again, if Tennessee plays its best, should win, more talented team. So what, what's, what is better chemistry amongst the staff, better chemistry amongst the team, and better quarterback play? What's that worth? And I'm not trying to say Tennessee's going to win 10 games. I think that would be stupid. But, like, what's that worth? Is it worth a win? Is it worth a win? I mean, I, I would think it probably is, don't you? If, if your chemistry is that much better, I think it's probably worth a win. Well, I think you know? more than I think more than chemistry, it's about quarterback play. I think, yeah. I, think I think quarterback play on the field is 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 worth more than you know everybody getting along. I mean, well, but see, I think it all works hand in hand because when the quarterback goes to turn those consecutive pick sixes, I think everybody on both sides of the ball goes, oh. <laughs> so I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, but I mean, my point is, like, I just feel like this team needs to continue to have good chemistry. And, and the staff, the continuity that you were talking about earlier, I think that pays dividends as far as chemistry, you know. And then, of course, we'll see what quarterback play they can get. But, you know, that's the biggest thing to me is what quarterbacks look like and what's the team chemistry looking like. How much more team building and bonding can they do? Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks for me, I mean, what can – can um, what's Caden Salter look like this spring? How quickly, you know, does, is he a legitimate factor? You know, what about – how does – Hooker look, the transfer, and can Harrison Bailey, you know, flourish in this offense? That's that to me is a big question. The last one's a big question mark for me. I mean, and just how difficult is this offense to learn? Like, you know, I mean, is it just is there? There's not a whole lot of reads in it. Then, how much does that play into you know the hands of a guy like Brian Mauer, who you know is is got a lot of moxie to him, got a lot of athleticism, and is still around. Yeah, well, you know, who knows what what this thing will look like coming out of spring. I mean, you know, um, how do the guys size, you know, how are guys sizing things up? What do coaches think of, you know, guy, I mean, you know, you, you got a guy, you know, you had some coaches talking about, well, I really like my room. I really like this. Well, you, you haven't been on the grass with them yet to know exactly what you have or what you don't have. So um, all that'll, you know, we'll find out. I just, over the course of the next three weeks or so, I was just kind of curious as to what, you know, you guys wanted to hear because it's interesting, Rob. I mean, you know, right now everybody's just craving for anything. So, I mean, it was such a positive vibe. 
about the offensive staff because they all they all they all spoke well, you know, and they all they all sounded polished. And and Tennessee fans are just clamoring for anything positive at, at this point in time. So I, that's why I was asking that question. I was gonna say, and personnel wise, I mean, there's a lot of questions, especially on defense about this team. But um, who, who plays left tackle? Cade. Who, who you got? Cade. I don't. He, I don't think I play there for sure. I don't think they know. Like I really don't. I mean, I think potentially Darnell shifts left and Kron plays right. But I mean, it, it, I think a lot of that depends on how they how they want to you know make up the offensive line. I mean, Cade, yeah, could shift out and play tackle, but Cade may push to want to stay at guard. And and you know if if Kron and and Darnell are going to be here, you know, I mean, those are guys that have started in this league at tackle and and have tackle type bodies. Darnell has the feet to play over there. I'll, I'll say this for all those guys, they're going to have to get in better. They're going to have to get in shape in a hurry because spring practice is going to be painful for that crew. Just, and, and just because the tempo that they play at the adjustment that's going to be there for them is going to be significant. So we'll see kind of what that looks like moving forward. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit, move around a little bit on a couple other things. Uh, the chancellor was on vol calls Monday night. Uh, I asked her about the investigation. She said that it was still ongoing, was not concluded. Hope to have it concluded in the next two to three, four weeks at the, at the latest. Um, did not think they would have any kind of answer from the NCAA about anything before the start of the football season. So with, that in, with that in mind, if that's, if that's the case, how does, how does, what kind of challenges does that present Josh Heupel in terms of keeping the current roster together, keeping guys here, and also on the recruiting trail? Well, I think that it's you're going to continue to get questions of, you know, what's it going to look like? And other schools are going to continue to say they're going to get hit with a four-year ban. They're going to get hit with a three-year ban. You know, I I would be shocked if it's anything more than two. I agree. I mean, I just – Sure, I agree but, with that 100%. If you do that, you might as well just kill Tennessee football. Four-year postseason ban, three-year postseason yeah, ban. Nobody, I mean, nobody, nobody does that. No, nobody's doing that. You know. I mean, you're right. Schools will throw all kinds of crazy stuff out there. You know, I, I just want. Don't you think Tennessee probably at least sends in their self-imposed stuff before then? I would hope. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it uses a baseline. I mean, I you would know, think. And so. then I was and surprised you, she she indicated that. I was surprised she said and indicated that she did not anticipate uh, an answer uh, before the start of the football season. Right, that response surprised me. Um, but I, it, it made me wonder just how does how does how does Josh Heupel you know, how do they play it in terms of with the current team and recruiting as well? How big of a challenge is that for them? Or is it any different than what they're already facing? See, I don't know that it's any different than what's already out there right now because everybody's asking a gazillion questions as it is, right? Yeah, I, I think it very much is, what you know, what they're dealing with right now. And I don't think it's going to change. I think in recruiting, you're having to answer questions, whether it be Danny White or Chancellor Plowman. You know, they're having to get on a few Zoom calls here and there just to explain just kind of where they are in the process and what, you know, what things potentially could be looking like, but I don't think they can't make any promises at this point. So, you know, and, and with the current roster, I mean, I don't think going to a bowl game, you know, I think everybody on this roster is very cognizant that they're not winning any kind of championship next year. So like, you know, do they feel like they can improve their stock by staying in this football program? you know, and, and getting coached by this current staff. I think it's as simple as that. Which is why spring spring practices have the utmost importance. No doubt. 
for, and, for, and also, for guys to get that feel, right? And it's something that, I mean, you know, fans, a lot, I mean, a lot of fans don't think about just, you know, they're kids. I mean, they've got friends on camp. I mean, maybe they have girlfriends. You know, they're, they've got a tight social circle. They don't want to pick up and, you know, move to another school. I mean, those, those things matter too for, for kids, especially if it's somebody who's, you know, probably not going to make an NFL roster. Yeah, I mean, like if you if you're a guy that you know potentially could play next year and 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 move on to the league, there's greater risk in changing the venue that you're currently at than staying here and maybe not going to a bowl game. You know, you're going to get more opportunity here. You go to a new place, you're not guaranteed anything. I mean, coaches at those schools can promise those kids that they're guaranteed stuff, but we all know that you know. If they get there and they don't feel like they're the best guy for the job, they're not just going to play them to play them, or at least most coaches are that way. Yeah, certainly. So, um, but we'll see what this, you know, what everybody thinks of this staff as they get on the grass and, and get to spring practice. I, I do think the early returns is po- are positive, but but I think that's the case with every coach, right? I mean, but you know, we we've we've seen it with all of them. I mean, from I mean, we you know, Lane Kiffin was the had swagger and he was the total opposite, which was great, you know, and then Derek Dooley came in and he was a guy and he, he said riches and all those things. And that was grand, you know, and, and then, um, you know, Butch Jones comes in and it's back with swagger and all that stuff. And, and then, you know, they bring in a defensive minded coach and, you know, SEC background, just everything football else. Coach. Football coach. He, he playing just, that music at practice. Huh? Yeah, he's just a football coach. And then all of a sudden now we're back to what is this? And so I think everybody's just kind of waiting to see. So we'll see what spring practice looks like. All right, Austin. Um, recruiting time. Here you go. The platform's yours. Everybody Run, wants to know what's the latest on Ty Simpson. He commits on Friday at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central, in uh, the auditorium there at Martin Westview. Um, school will let out at 2.30, so it could be a potential train wreck for those that are going to be there in attendance. As of right now, FallQuest is slated not to be in attendance. That is subject to change, like any good wrestling card. There always could be a swerve, and anybody could get hit with a steel chair. True or false? AP has a reservation at the courtyard in, in Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, no, we wouldn't stay in Jackson. Listen, buddy, if we're if we're doing this, if, if, if I'm going, uh, there will – I've got – I've got a game plan in, in place to see all kinds of different people out there. Two times at eight oh four. Yeah, picking Trey Teague up on the way. We're going to go to hit Kevin Mays' duck blind before we roll over. The, um, Better be careful about those duck blinds in West Tennessee. All right, so Austin, in all serious, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it's kind of where it, it's where you've been with it for a couple of weeks, right? Here, here's where I'm now. I'm just Early Monday morning, you would have told me, I would have said, Alabama's confident, Clemson's confident, Tennessee's optimistic. But then I make a few phone calls, and all of a sudden I feel like, okay, Alabama thinks it's Clemson. Clemson thinks it's Alabama. And nobody thinks it's Tennessee. Translation, no one knows. There you go. And that's just where Ty wants it. And he'll be an instant Tennessee legend. As I told somebody earlier today when they called me and asked me about, you know, what do you think Ty's doing? I said, well, I said, I think Ty is listening to me. And I say that based off the fact that over a year ago, I said, if you want to have your moment where nobody knows what you're doing, here's how you do it. 
out of all the commits in last year's class, three kids took the Austin Price playbook and they were the three that nobody saw coming and they committed without anybody getting crystal balls in or forecasts in or any of that stuff. And, that's, and so, and that's, a, and, and for, and for some, that's a big deal. I mean, and so and, for some, that's a big deal for some, they don't care. They want that. Look at me tweet with the big news coming. eyeball eyeball emoji. That, that's what they want. Right. It's not for everybody. Right. But I do think that Ty wanted this moment to be a special moment that did not get ruined. And we'll see where he goes. I don't know where he goes. And when I say he's taking the Austin Price playbook, that playbook was told to him months and months and months ago, not not in the last week or two. Like, I just feel like that's what he's doing. He's misdirecting. He's telling different people different things. And, you know, good on him because there's so many kids at this point, you know, there have been, you know, all these predictions in and their moments kind of yeah, – like- Take How about Clemson fans? Can you get me to 10,000 followers? Yeah. You know, and so you're good on him. I mean, it's, you know, Tuesday morning. We'll see if it makes to Friday. But, you know, to this point, I think that he's done a really good job of keeping everybody on their toes and everybody guessing. And he's going to do 4,000 more Zoom calls with each staff between now and Friday to keep everybody guessing. Yeah. And to, and to make his final, you know, final decision so he, he and his family can have a moment that he's very well earned and they very well deserve to have which which i think is definitely his approach rob i was good and ap i mean i ap obviously is the one i'm inside of this but just i thought you made an interesting point when me and you were just talking on sunday that made me feel like tennessee was in it i mean ty is is sensitive enough to how things are going to look if he you know if he does go out of state that i don't i mean and you said this and i agree with it that i don't think he would lead tennessee on if there wasn't if they didn't have a legit shot, I mean, I think he would have, you know, cut the cord so that Vol Nation wasn't sitting there on Friday afternoon with bated breath, only to yeah. you know, be, be left at the altar. I agree with you, and, and, and which I know you were agreeing with me, but I mean, like, I, <laughs> I, I, my my thing is, is like he may not pick Tennessee, but if he does, it's because he doesn't know right now, and. Tennessee's still very much in this. Like, I really believe that. Again, though, when all this goes down, if he picks Tennessee, and I said this on the board over the weekend, if he picks Tennessee, everybody's going to say, well, you should listen to Austin. He had this right all along, yada, yada, yada. And if he doesn't, then everybody's going to say, Austin got played. And in theory, like, it can be actually neither of those. It can just be Tennessee was in it till the end, and he just never felt good enough to pull the trigger. The head went over the heart. Yeah, and that's what it boils down to because nobody knows on this Tuesday morning where Ty Simpson is going to school other than, I think, probably Ty Simpson. I'm not sure, and I'm not told sure he else. knows at this point. I mean, yeah. I, if you ask me, I think he probably does, but I don't know that to be 100% fact, and I've talked to enough people that, you know, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that, like, you know, it, it's not 100% done. I think and, he has a good feeling. Isn't it the most Tennessee thing ever, though, that the highest-rated quarterback, in-state quarterback of the Rivals era, pops up in a year where you've got an NCAA cloud hanging over and you just fired the head coach and and, and your program is starting it from scratch? I mean, it's the most Tennessee thing ever. Hubs, I told you in early December, this feels like Cade Mays 2.0. Anything that could go wrong went wrong to prevent possibly – this kid, which should have been a slam dunk from coming here. Now, we'll see. Tennessee may be able to pull this off come Friday, 
We'll see what happens. But, you know, it, it, this thing was going to be a lay down for the Vols, and then Jeremy Pruitt got fired. Um, you know, and, but Josh Heifels came in, and he has picked up the Jeremy Pruitt playbook, which is daily contact, which is phone calls, which is doing everything he can to try to land this kid. And, and I think that he's got Tennessee very much back in the mix here um, to see where we go. But I do, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see, you know, he's kind of, you know, I've said, you know, drag Tennessee to the finish line. He's, he's taking them to the finish line Friday. It's going to be, in my opinion, a packed house, even with COVID, it's going to be a packed house out there with a lot of all fans in the room. And so, so it's going to be interesting to see how that the whole dynamic goes. Yep. And Rob, you're right. It is a Tennessee thing. That's just kind of the way it's been for Tennessee the last decade, it feels like. All right, let's switch to hoops here and let's oh, talk God. about this Tennessee. Uh, we got to talk about this Tennessee basketball team. Rob, how does this team score points on a night where they can't make a bunch of, of three point perimeter jump shots? How do they find offense for a team on a night that can't throw it in the ocean from the outside? I mean, John Fulkerson's got to come through. I mean, Cal Perry, I, I tip my cap to him. I mean, me and you talked about it on Saturday. He wasn't going to let Jaden and Keon beat him off the dribble and, and, you know, get into the paint and eat him alive like they did in Lexington. I mean, Jaden had, had an off night, two for 11. Keon was not a whole lot better, four for 14, although he did get to the line a bunch. But, I mean, Fulkerson's got a score. And at this point, I mean, you look at the body of work, I got no faith that that's going to happen. He was one of seven against Kentucky, had a lot of good looks, or at least a lot of good chances. I'm not saying he blew a lot of wide open shots, but he got the ball in good position a lot of times where you know we've seen him do things with it in the past. And I mean Saturday was just a great example why you if you're gonna if you rely on freshmen, you're gonna live and die with that. Because I mean they're not gonna be able to bring it every single game. And if you just go on talent, Keon and Jaden are the two most gifted players in my opinion that Rick's had in six seasons in Knoxville. But they're also eight I mean they're both 18 years old. I mean they're they're, they're going to have ups and downs. And when you can't count on, on your fifth-year senior to be a consistent force and you've got to count on 18-year-olds, I mean, you're, you're going to be subject to some wild fluctuations, and that's where Tennessee is right now. So is the bottom line with this team, is they're going to go as the perimeter shooting goes? Unless, Fulkerson, unless you know, Fulkerson flips a switch and turns into the guy we saw, you know, in late January, all through February and early March last year, yeah. I mean, I think and unless the – Jaden, Keon, maybe maybe Bailey, if he can stay hot. If those guys aren't, aren't lighting people up, uh, Tennessee's not going to beat good teams. So, I mean, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. I mean, they hold a team to 20% shooting in the second half. And, and don't they, gain a point. They, they, don't, they, don't close, point. they don't close the lead in, which is the craziest thing I've, I've, I've ever seen. Um, what is the adjustment that Jaden and Keon have to make, Rob? Because – John Calipari is not the only guy who's going to look at tape and go, hey, I'm not going to let those guys get to the rim and score 50 points on me inside the paint the way they did, you know, the first go around in, in Lexington, Kentucky. So what is what is the counter for Caden and Jaden and Keon? I don't think they have a counter. If they're not going to get help for the post. I mean, I don't think – I mean, I don't think it's on those kids. Or, I mean, I mean their teammates have got to, got to open things up for them. I mean, if, if you don't have – if you don't ever have to double – double the post, I mean, you can pressure those guys. You can get – you can sag into driving lanes. You can – I mean, in Kentucky, I might be wrong. I don't think they doubled Fulky. I mean, they might have a couple times, but it wasn't part of the game plan. I mean, the game plan 
was to hedge, to get into gaps, to shut down the driving lanes and um, make Keon and Jaden take bad shots. And, you know, Keon looks like he had a bad game at 414. I mean, he, he, he did, but he also was the guy with the ball in his hands a lot of times with, you know, with the shot clock running down because nobody else on, on the court had stepped up and done anything. And he was, you know, he, he had to be the guy to try to make something happen. Do, do you post them up more? Now that's, now that is a nice adjustment because I, I think both those guys are, are good. I mean, Keon's going to jump over whoever's with him and Jaden can bully guys. It looks like but, Gary Payton backing them down, Rob. That's, that's a good, that's a good analogy. AP. That's a really good. one. Um, I just wonder how realistic that is. If your backs, if you don't have any backside post help there, because I mean, they can come in a double. They can bring size at you. Yeah, I mean, when they when they, they double one of those guys with a big, then I mean, then it's not it's not such a great look anymore. Yeah, and I don't I mean I don't mean to throw John under the bus because I mean I'm I'm as big of a fan of that kid as anybody. I have a ton of respect for him, but Hubs didn't mean to throw Jeremy under the bus either. Well, uh, but John's John's not a. He just, but the reality John is, he's make twenty million dollars. He's not. I mean, he's, a, he's not. He's not playing very well. And he has, no, he's, he's not. not had a very good year at all. I mean, that's just the bottom line. What do they do? Because I mean, Ponds ain't going to be back. And we'll, and we'll see about Fulkerson. You know, I mean, I, oh, they're going to they're, they're going to be so active in the transfer market. It's I mean, yeah, they're going to have to be, right? I mean, the post oh, yeah. play is just, I mean, I mean, that's the, that's, I can promise you, that's the plan right now. I think you, I, I think there's a chance you still may win our bet. I may be taking you to lunch or dinner or wherever. Cause I mean, either I could see it right now, a scenario where neither one of those kids is back. Well, I don't think they're going to want Anasiki back, personally. That's just me. I mean, he can come back, and it's not a penalty. But you know, why bring him back if he's if he's not going to play and he's going to be, you know, I mean, I don't I don't think he seems like a kid that's going to have a bad attitude. But if he just isn't part of your plans, why bring him back? And, and Fulkerson, I don't know. And so I, I've talked to multiple people inside the program, and some people think he's coming back, some people think not. So. That one's definitely 50-50. Well, I would think in the transfer portal, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves because this team's still got, you know, things to do, and you get hot at the right time. You never know what kind of run you can make, you know, uh, down the stretch here. But I, I got to think they're a pretty attractive program for a big in the transfer portal with a point guard coming in um, and some of the pieces they have coming back. I know Keon, you know, going to be in the draft. Uh, I think everybody expects him to go. Um, Jaden probably heading that direction as well. But I still think that, for a big, there's the opportunity to play and to play with, you know, some pretty talented guys on the perimeter. I would think that makes that that would make Tennessee pretty. Attractive. I mean, you're, you're still going to have Santiago, who you know he's got some limitations, but he's a you know he's a good facilitator. Kennedy Chandler, I think, is going to be fantastic. I mean, he's he's a, I mean, he can score, but he's a point guard first, and he's going to be attractive to a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, he can I, make he's a, he's a point guard to make, that can make you look good if all you can do is catch lobs. Call me crazy. I think one of the two between Keon or or, or Jaden Springer comes back. I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've got that feeling. I just do. I don't see it. I think Keon Keon's family would be totally fine with him coming back. If Keon, I mean, if, if Keon's in the top ten and projected, I mean, Rick will make him leave. Rick will drive him to the draft. <laughs> I mean, you just can't. I mean, you can't turn that down. And Jaden and his family, I think that's that's been their plan since he was a sophomore in high school. So, I mean, I, I think they would be, even if Jaden was a borderline first-round pick, I think they would be inclined to leave and just, you know, bet on themselves or, you know, him bet on himself. But, well, I mean, Ke- Keon's just – you don't – if you're projecting the top ten, and, I mean, and Keon is never going to be the number one pick in the draft, you know, in, in a year, if you're in the top ten right now, I mean, you, you go. You have to go. 
First of all, it's Auburn for Tennessee. Well, it's Vanderbilt, and then it's Auburn. And an he's playing better. Vanderbilt. Yeah, Vanderbilt's is good against has been good against everybody. So, and, and getting better each week, it seems like. So, a challenge for Tennessee on Rick Barnes' favorite nine o'clock bad, starts. I got a bad feeling this week, ever. You got a bad feeling on both? Not both. Well, I just I got a bad feeling. You got a bad feeling. All right. I mean, well, Tennessee will be favored both of them, but they've been favored in every single game they played this year, and look where we are. Yeah, it's we'll gas, see if Rob, it's gas. We'll see if Tennessee can throw the ball in the basket because that's the big key for them. If they can make some perimeter jump shots, then they're an eighty-point, you know, a game team. And if they can't, then they might score forty-eight because they're totally dependent at this point in time on making perimeter jumpers. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of what? What? I just realized, yeah, before, before we start taping the podcast, I said you had your Dr. Richard Campbell look, but you really don't have a, a big enough beard for Dr. Richard Campbell. You're you're more kind of like Al Borland. You're, no, you're, AP, I can't believe you're – I mean, since we've not had a movie reference until then on the podcast, he looks like Captain America with a beard. Hey, by the way, <laughs> how great is this? And this is for our good friend CSW Ball posted this, uh, you know, last night after the chat. You guys really want to feel old? Class of 2023, Jai Eugene Jr. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to close out this the mystery edition. official visitor. The mystery Who official will ever visitor. <laughs> when Ulysses Alexander Jr. breaks in, I'm done. Uh, we're all out of here. All right. Speaking of out of here, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control Ballquest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.